Hey podcast, this is another episode from Finding Construction. Um, we got back into the boardroom today for our second discussion, which we held back at the start of 2022 um, about attracting the next generation into construction. We're joined by Cara Thompson of Vengrove and Danny Meaden of Lindley's. Great chat and I hope you enjoy. We better officially start. Um, actually, this has been a great chat. Probably good content, out, but uh, guys, thanks a lot for for coming in. Um, really appreciate it. Um, if we do a round of introductions, start with yourself, Cara, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, we can move on to yourself, Danny, and hear a bit about your background. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, Cara Thompson, I'm a director running the project management team at a company called Vengrove, um, which is an investment advisory firm. Um, moved over to London almost 10 years ago now from Australia, um, qualified as a project manager there and worked predominantly in central London. Um, I've had the privilege of working on some really great projects, um, particularly some heavy cut and carbs refurbishment projects in the West End, um, which is really important for the sustainable agenda and for the future. Um, I think Matt Oakley from Savile said there was 5 billion square foot of real estate product that needs to be green by 2030. So, you know, it is definitely a huge part um, which I'm proud to play a part of. Um, and also recently played a role in the Ed City um, development at White City, which was a mixed use scheme, which was um, anywhere from nursery, new school, higher education, youth zone um, for underprivileged kids who don't get to go to school, as well as 132 affordable units. So it was great to play a role in such a social impact project. It's good to see you. How, how did you get into the industry? Well, interestingly, my undergraduate was in science and yeah. did not know anything about construction. Yeah. And I uh, moved to Brisbane from my hometown, Toowoomba, um, for those you know who've heard of it, not many have, and ended up just getting an admin role on a construction site, supporting the project management team there, and just fell in love with construction at that stage. Um, worked on um, a big project, supported that, and then got a graduate role at one of the project management firms. Um, which Savills then acquired and then I moved over to London working holiday for a couple of years and then um, to be honest really fell in love with the built environment I think particularly in London it's a special city it's got such a range of history and new um, especially with the likes of say 22 Bishopsgate which finished last year for example Um, and yeah just haven't looked anywhere else I think you know it's an interesting place to be and I think every day I find that I fall more and more in love with it and really now want to play a role in influencing change for the future because if COVID has taught us anything, um, particularly the importance of our planet, now's the time to really kind of put the foot down and yeah. uh, influence some change. Your passion for the industry really shines, I have to say. That was a, that was a good... Uh, Sorry. No, that was very, no, very interesting. No, seriously, I was hooked. Uh, Danny Meaton, Lindley's, hit us. Tell us a bit about your, yourself, your background and... What you're up to? So I am currently learning skills and employment coordinator for Elephant Park and Deptford Landings and all kind of things social value. So I spend a lot of my job engaging with local residents, discussing opportunities on our site, kind of encouraging residents to work on the site and also do a lot of school visits, try and organise work experience, all the good stuff. I'm quite lucky that I get to do all the nice stuff, which yeah, is yeah. See, cause different pressures than you know project managing and stuff. Um, Again, it was I never really had aspirations to work in construction when I was younger. 
I left. I kind of left school and was like, oh, I'll go to university, study history. I thought yeah. mm, sounds alright. And then I kind of graduated into the GFC. So there weren't that many opportunities available. So I just kind of drifted along doing various jobs and ended up working on a prison contract with young people who were wanting to go in construction. So I kind of got a look into the construction industry there. I then um, went to New Zealand, ended up working in construction over there. I wasn't very good, it was quite interesting. Yeah. The building I was earthquake Here proofing. Here for the weekend. Yeah, but the building <laughs> I was earthquake proofing has since been demolished, so that shows me. And then I kind of came back, came back to the UK and um, worked with the council as a section 106 account manager. So we yep. were monitoring kind of the developments, targets in Newham. And then I decided to go from the public sector to go to the private sector, trying to use some of my knowledge there in the private sector. Mm. And I've uh, been fortunate enough to be at Elephant Park, which is one of the most sustainable developments. And also, um, it's really good for my role because Lenny's is actually very keen on the social value. Mm. So I get got a lot of support from kind of the project team, the directors, and that makes kind of my role a lot easier when I'm trying to push this down for the supply chain. So again, it was kind of very winding roads to where here, but I totally agree with the construction. It's a great environment to work in, especially on site. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're working for the contractor, the site contractor, you're all kind of working for the same goal mm -hmm. to get the building finished. Mm -hmm. So it kind of feels that everyone's working together and it's, um, you learn quite a lot and you get to meet interesting people, which is always fun. Yeah, and what does like a, a site manager or a project manager who's up to his neck in it um, say when you come on site and, and you have a few uh, inputs? Because I'm just saying, we were saying it previously, sometimes there's a bit of reluctant behaviour towards you know, social work, um, but I know it's after really coming on leaps and bounds now. But like, what way does it work when you come on site, and what are you kind of measuring, or what are you looking out for? So, with um, engaging with the project team, mm. again, I'm fortunate because our social value target at Lendlease is consistently kind of highlighted to the whole organisation, mm. and people understand the importance of what we're doing in the areas. Mm. They understand the importance of employing local people, providing decent opportunities, paying a living wage giving up their time to go into schools. So I don't come up against a lot of friction. Mm. Sometimes you have to be creative when I approach them. You know, if there's something massive going on on site, like mm. there's putting up a new tower crane or something, mm. I probably wouldn't try and put yeah. them <laughs> Choose your battles. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But um, no, I think the kind of, in construction as a whole, when I'm talking to people who don't work for Lendlease, who work, mm. you know, I can say, look, can you come to a school event for me? I think in construction is one of the industry where people want people to do well. Mm -hmm. I will say to the, especially if I'm employing some young people, I'll say to them that when we employ you, we're not expecting you to be an expert. What we do expect though is you to be on time, have a good attitude and want to learn. Mm. If you do that, you will go far. Mm. We don't, you don't need to be kind of A-levels degree. If you turn up at 18, work hard, you can progress and earn really good money. But you mm. need to do the basic stuff. And mm. I think once they dis uh, display they can do turning up on time, wanting to be there, people will buy and invest into them. The opportunities sure. are endless with it's the right attitude, especially in this industry. Yeah. It's timekeeping. I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She'll tell you about timekeeping. Yeah. She sound, you sound like a timekeeper, Cara. Uh, project managers, your, yes. your jobs. So, Cara, um, I know you're heavily involved with the next question, Danny. We're going to start with Cara mm -hmm. first. Um, about why you feel that the younger generation, what we speak beforehand, 15, 16 year olds, uh, why they may be not considering a career in construction and how we can change that attitude. So if you can go for a bit of a deep dive there, mm -hmm. I'm all ears. I think there's probably a couple of reasons. I mean, it's the second 
were sector for digitization and the future generation. What's number one manufacturing, is it, or something like oh, that? I, can't, I knew you were going to ask me that. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're number two. Um, um, but it, you know, I think you look at the next generation, it's all about technology. You know, it's how they're being brought up, it's how they're learning, it's you know, everything to them. And I think you're looking at an industry that is far behind. And I've said before, you know, I feel like this industry is archaic and it's got a long way to go. So I don't think there's a natural enticement into that like some of the other um, industries that we see and we've spoken about, you know, the media and the tech and the health and well-being, you know, the, the, the gym sharks and the Stephen Bartlett's of this world, yeah. you know, offering, you know, amazing, amazing opportunities on LinkedIn every day. Yeah. I think there's also... An element that you know kids at school just don't know the opportunities i didn't know that project management was a job and a really great job yeah, you know that that has given me fantastic opportunities not just to travel the world but to work in one of the best cities in the world um, on some iconic projects that you can walk the street and you can show your family when they visit mm. look at this you know mom might helped you know build that so i think there needs to be an education at school and it's great to hear that danny you know is involved in that and you, i have seen an increase of that um, but I do think it's back to the point where we've got to somehow ingest this love for the built environment. It's everywhere, you know, we live, we work and we play in it. And it's so important um, to the world as we move forward. And I think somehow getting that love for the built environment out there and, and teaching people that we get to make a change on how it looks, how it works, um, I think will help get kids interested. And Danny, what do you think? Repeat the question. Oh, repeat the question for you, Danny. So, 15 to 16 year olds, yeah. why do you think they probably aren't attracted to construction? Why it's not number one on the list? And what can we do about it? From You're a man who's on the ground, so I'm looking forward to hearing your answer. It's all about awareness. So, um, letting young people see someone who looks like them in the job. Because it's very easy to see that's a job for someone else. I can't do that, it's a job for someone else. And it is a part of my role, and um, I'm very lucky to have supportive colleagues who will get people from different departments all across the business going into schools. So we'll have a marketing manager, we'll have a construction manager, we'll have an architect. Just to say, whatever you wanna do, you can do a construction company. If you go to the school and you say, what do you wanna do? Oh, I wanna be an accountant. Why join a construction company? Why do you wanna do that? Because well, most of the companies, We'll have HR departments, marketing departments. It's just we need to do a better job of showing the opportunities available out there and not focusing just on kind of entry level roles. As you mentioned earlier about job changing, there's loads of transferable skills in construction. I've got a friend of mine who worked in recruitment and now he's a package manager at a large firm. Yeah. It's just kind of highlighting the skills we want. And with the young people as well, I think it's, it can be quite intimidating. When you walk past the building site, you see four cranes up, everything moving around. That's why it's important we offer work experience. So we'll have schools come for wander around mm -hmm. and they'll get to meet the project director and stuff, say hello, what do you do, this kind of stuff, and show them how it all works and show them that it is a safe environment. It may look quite intimidating, mm -hmm. but it is safe. You know, people care about your well-being. The building sites aren't these horrible, like, muddy barns anymore. Kind of the welfare facilities now are kind of A1, very yeah, nice. For sure. And with the young people, I especially want to say to them, this is what we can offer you, but kind of what can you offer the industry as well? Mm. Because when what, some things you need in instruction, you need to kind of punctuality, work hard, really want to be there. 
So it's saying we can offer this, these opportunities, put some responsibility on them. And I will say to them at the end, if you're interested in learning some more, ping me a CV, we'll have a chat about work experience. And the ones who actually then ping me their CVs, they're the kind of ones you know are interested. Mm. How scalable is it going out to schools? Because I wrote, I was saying to you before, I wrote an article recently and I said going out to schools is a fantastic initiative to get that on the ground reaction and get that feedback. But like, how scalable is it um, to attract a younger, a younger generation to the industry? Because you have the brands we aforementioned that they're adding value every single day, whatever their mm -hmm. content they're putting out. Construction companies don't do that every single day. Um, but you have, you know, lend leases like, like and people like yourself going out every so often talking. But like, you can't be everywhere and anywhere every single day. So like. I'm of the belief that there has to be some huge investment in digitization to mm. keep that message going and going because you know once a month isn't once every couple of months is probably not enough. They need to pop up on their phones. It needs yeah. to be TikTok, yeah. Instagram. Yeah. It needs to be where they are each day, and that's where they are. Snapchat, you know, you know, getting campaigns out there that show the difference day to day that they can follow and and it could be promoted. I think that's that's the way to talk to them. I mean. You know, I'm kind of not of that generation and I struggle mm. with it, but it's a way to connect back to home, but very much see that that's the future generation and rather than fight it, we should embrace it. Yeah, and it has to tap into their psychographics too. Like if you have uh, a mum and dad and their kids going to see um, Arsenal or something or Chelsea every week, that if a construction company can tap into that type of psyche, well, it's one of the most family things you could do in the UK is go out to watch the football. And if you have a construction company um, that can maybe offer some sort of a sponsorship or some sort of a collaboration. You're kind of blending what they love to do and what they potentially could do all in one. So you're like really hitting off emotional vibes there. But I just, I feel that advertising on its own is great, but like getting this emotional attachment, like what are you interested in day to day and how can construction communicate that better, you know? Like how can you tap into those psychographics? Like, you know, if I feel like I'm going on now, but if someone's trying to advertise me something I probably won't look at it, but if they put an Irish flag in front of it, I might have a look at it, you know? <laughs> Maybe connect the sustainable yeah. agenda. We know that the, the next gen, you know, and there's 40% of them in the workplace at the moment, the climate and climate change is really important. Mm. So, you know, as I said before, 5 billion square feet of properties in the UK need to be green by 2030. Mm. You know, allowing that next generation an opportunity to have a positive impact on the environment by playing a role in the industry that's going to do that. I mean, mm. I think that's a huge pull on what's important to them as a, as a value. And moving on, um, the Armed Forces ex-offenders is a huge area of research and communication. Um, anyone want to go first here on talking yeah, about those hidden labour yeah. markets? Um, yeah, so we have a kind of cohort of potential workers. And from my experience of working in the custodial setting, there obviously are challenges around having practical um, construction training in mm -hmm. those kind of environments, you know, probably not going to want to have teaching people have to put scaffolding up next to the wall or something, I don't know, but um, it is what can we do to engage, you know, returning citizens and what support can we offer? So um, can we go into custody and organise training? Can we kind of ring fence some opportunities with the supply chain? And one of our projects is up in Glen Parville, which is actually um, building a new prison. And they've got 
people out on Rottle. Do you know Rottle? Oh, so released on, released on temporary mm-hmm. license, and people right. come out, mm-hmm. kind of do work, and then go back in the uh, evening. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a really great opportunity. But again, that kind of involves quite a lot of coordination. So in London, especially because you have you know, quite a few large prisons in London, it'd be great if we could kind of all mesh up with the Rottle and kind of fight. Sometimes I try and engage with probation and youth offending team. It's not always that easy. So if the, if the probation said we are having a project to get people out on Rottle on your building sites, this is the person who's going to manage it. This is the person you speak to. It'd be fantastic for me because sometimes when I'm trying to get into kind of the, kind of the public sector stuff, sometimes it's difficult to find the person to speak to. Mm-hmm. So I think if you had a collaboration between construction companies, uh, custodial settings, and kind of probation, that would real give you like a pipeline of potential mm-hmm. candidates. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's going to work out. Not mm-hmm. everyone's going to be amazing, but it kind of is our social duty to provide opportunities because working in custody, you meet a lot of people from different backgrounds. You know, everyone's got their own story about it, and rather mm-hmm. than us just saying no, you've made a mistake, you can't do this, it is time taking on a case by case basis mm-hmm. and matching that person's skills two jobs not automatically going yeah you can be a labourer you can be a traffic marshal let's be more aspirational and try and find mm. jobs in trainee this trainee that kind of take it from the next step rather than just yeah you can do that to actually sitting down and matching their skills to what we need in the industry and for the projects you worked on like that like have there been major success from it so the, the, this I was mainly doing it a few years ago when I was working it was kind of like a charity and I was placing people with contractors in Battersea mm. yeah you had some amazing success stories so mm. just briefly so I met one of the young men at his post-release meeting he spent the whole time eyeballing me I was kind of like I'm what's going on here so I spoke to his uh, probation officer and I was like anything personal and he's like no he's just been let down by a lot of people previously mm. and so he's not going to trust you so I said to him like I know you don't trust me that's fine nothing personal I'll meet you Monday morning Newham docks we're going to sign up for a track apprenticeship he was like, yeah, yeah, I don't think you're going to turn up. I was there, nine o'clock in the morning, took him to the track apprenticeship. He signed up for that, it was like the pre-apprenticeship program. Kept in touch with him, I saw him every week. And then six weeks later, he then went on to the actual apprenticeship. Mm. And then after, I think, 18 months, he then graduated to be a kind of railway engineer. So he went from kind of, it's nice for me to see him going mm. from eyeballing me in Felton yeah, to yeah. kind of being a pretty well-paid chap after 18 months. Obviously, you have your ups and downs and stuff, but that's mm. kind of, they just need someone you can kind of show them the way, open some doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great story. Government funding yeah. to help facilitate some of these programs yeah. again. What, <laughs> do you, what do you think on that subject? I think yeah. I think there's other areas as well that we should be tapping into. I mean, we've seen some of the propcos um, engage with the sporting industry. So you know, you see a lot of the you know professional you know level um, sportsmen and women kind of you know come out of that in their thirties, forties, and you know I think there's opportunity to get that talent pool. Um, also, um, people who you know who've had, say, spinal injuries. We do a lot of work with a charity called Horatio's Garden, and there's something like 2,500 people a year who suffer a spinal injury who can't then return back into maybe their existing workplace. And yes, construction partly is working on site, but there's so many other jobs and opportunities that need skill and talent, mm-hmm. you know, to help you know get this industry back on its feet and, and high performing that we should be looking you know partnering with NHS and finding this pool of talent to people to, to get them to work because I just think we go down too much of that traditional path and I know we are trying to change that but I think there's just lots of other avenues that we don't explore near enough. It's got to streamline it though, we need to streamline it. Exactly. Because at the moment sometimes it can be quite 
bureaucratic. If they just, if we just kind of work together with again the government, public sector, private sector, any other agencies that support an individual, and we just say, well, how can we do this? How can we do it quick? Yeah. Rather than just because if you say to someone like, in eight months' time, you might have an interview. That's why with the um, kind of people coming out of prison, they're out on Friday, get them in something on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. If we kind of say to people, oh yeah, we'll catch up with you next month like this, we, if we want to do this, we need to be reactive, yeah. put it in place, mm-hmm. be motivated and hold and set ourselves targets to hold ourselves accountable to it. Otherwise, it's just a nice idea that kind of goes yeah. around, well, that's nice, yeah, let's do that, let's do this. We need to kind of be ambitious, set ourselves targets, be accountable, and then make it happen. Basically, we can make it happen. If we want to make it happen, the industry yeah. can. It's just getting the right people in the right room <laughs> to yeah. go, yes, let's do to this. Do it. Yeah. I suppose from the toughest, even from working with construction clients, is that the pressure the industry is on because margins obviously squeeze. It's hard to get someone to commit to something. You know, mm-hmm. It's hard to get time blocked off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to get anything done. It, in, on site, it's fast moving. Above board, it could be very slow moving. With, with, with and these type of initiatives, especially, you know, they just take a while to get signed off. Like, you know, it's you're constantly chasing your tail in some parts of the, the industry. You know, I think that's uh, what we said before. It's it's still archaic in mm. lots of different ways. And I don't know about you, Danny, but I hear all, all the time, oh, you know, we've got to respond to the market. The market's been that way for 20, 30 years, or we've done it this way for this period of time. We just need to actually go. No, let's do something different, and let's really, you know, mm. you know change. In a fortunate position because the company I work for has overarching targets about social value. So anything I want to do links into the social value target. It means I get a lot of support coming down. Mm-hmm. I'd find it quite frustrating working for a company that wasn't as committed to it. So mm-hmm. people who do similar jobs to me in different companies, they must find it a bit harder than me because as I said, this is a global target. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I can justify this initiative under the global target. Mm-hmm. So yours is driven from the top down. Exactly. Right? Others are trying to drive exactly. it up. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the that's the hard thing. It must be frustrating because if you kind of do it from my level upwards, you people. In my experience of different construction companies, they are nice people. They want to mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. As you said, it's just they haven't got the time. But if the top, if over the top, they say this is important to us as a company. That's how it works. Top down. This is important. This is part of our DNA. And that's how you drive it through. That's why if I came to the company with an initiative, a social value initiative, I'm very confident that it would get listened to and it would get implemented, which mm. is very fortunate for me rather than having to constantly please, please, please. Mm, not for sure. And one buzz acronym, a uh, few words, um, I think some companies are very good at it and have fantastic initiatives around EDI or equality and diversity inclusion. Uh, I feel other companies do it for PR reasons and not for the right reasons. Um, I think companies like Lendlease and Multiplex and the big ones like that have really good causes. Um, but what do you think that area, EDI, has, what impact has it on the next generation? Uh, I think it's gonna be quite significant. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you wanna go first, Cara? Yes, um, I guess being you know a female in the industry and not necessarily at the fifty fifty um, mark yet, um, you know it's it's something that we discuss a lot, um, and you know it's great to see that you know there is a drive in the industry now to to open it up, um, but I think it's important not just for the next generation, but I think for the current mm. workforce that we don't get stuck on percentages and numbers and that we generally try and get a diverse workforce across gender, race, inclusion, because otherwise those in, say, the minority percentages, you know, then kind of put on pedestals and there's a lot of pressure there. And I I don't think that's right. I think we need to 
take it back to you know skill set you know mm-hmm. talent you know what people can bring based on you know where they come from you know I often get asked you know what's it like to be a woman in the industry and I'm like I don't think of it that way I'm like, it's more different being an Australian in the industry because Australians are different to English and yeah. have quite a different approach. And I think for me, I try and not focus on that. I try and focus on, you know, say, being the best I can be. And anyone who asks me for advice on what it's like, I take it away from actually the gender point. And I just mm. say, look, I just try and learn from everyone. Yeah. But I think as an industry we should take I mean I know we need to drive it and then obviously tracking it numbers are important but I think we need to really think about diversity where we're getting the talent from how we're getting the talent and getting the government to help us really mm. unlock some of the doors in the early years yeah, it's a qualitative problem not a quantitative problem it's, mm. not, it's not numbers driven really because we had a, a potential client come to us and we said oh we need more women I was like okay and even more than that, like, you know, why do you need more women? And they couldn't give me a legitimate answer. It's just like, is it affecting morality? Are you looking for a more creative opinion at the board? Do you know, are, is it affecting graduates? Like, I just give me, give me something like that. Because just doing it, you know, hiring women just because they're women is just really insulting. Like, it has to go, it has to be heart deep, not skin deep, like, you know. Um, so there really has to be a, a significant meaning behind it, you know. And so you said earlier, right, the name, it has to be skill set driven. Yeah, it has to be what you're good at or what people can bring to the table and Mm. how we unlock that with people's backgrounds. Regardless of gender and race, we should be open to all doors. And I think there is a shift. There's certainly a shift in the way people operate, the way people think, and having it on the agenda absolutely helps with that. But we just have to be careful. We don't just do it for the PR purposes and to do a tick box to then recruit because that's think, not I honestly think you know, diversity in itself. I honestly think a lot of the smaller company. I just think it is a tick the box. Mm. Um, Danny, you might know more than me, but I think there's a lot of companies do it for the right reason. I think there's few companies just to get it out of their place onto the next job. Um, what do you have to add to the whole? I think the young idea? young people now are so much more clued up than I was about kind of a fair like kind of sustainability like when I was 16 17 was I thinking what's my future employers zero carbon targets was I asking if the pension funds invested in oil and gas or weapons and stuff and like now you've got the rise of ESG investing Mm -hmm. companies have to show that they've got the kind of moral to uh, be in the business environment people are asking questions like what are you doing why Mm -hmm. should my pension fund invest in this. And if mm. companies aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're gonna get divested from pension funds and it's gonna hit the balance sheet. Mm. And I think that fair play to the next generation who's asking these questions, because I wasn't. Yeah. And, and you know, when people ask me about what our goals are sustainability-wise, I'm fortunate again, I can point to our global targets, mm. you know, net zero and similar. But just the awareness, I think they know that they've got a lot of choice now yeah. and when I was younger I wasn't I didn't have I didn't think about it I wouldn't have the confidence to go hey tell me about your pension <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure um, I, with these type of stuff as well it's great to ask questions on a micro level like um, a guy who works with Marcus he's a video editor he's born and raised in West London and down for breakfast one, one morning and uh, I just said to him if you were looking at just say another company or your friends or just you, you've 10 good mates here you hang around together 
And if you had to look at the website and it was the board was just a bunch of white old guys, I said, Would you apply for a job? And he's like he just started laughing, he's like, No chance. Hmm. Do you know, he's just like do you know, he's a city kid, all these friends are city and do you know, it's just gonna be the same anywhere else, but for people his age, he's nineteen, twenty he just says not a chance would I apply for a job there it's like that sounds like the most uncreative environment for my role you know um, and I just think it's lovely to ask questions like it's good to hang out with you know people mm-hmm. that age like you know and just see what they're up to you know it's hard because it's it, you know there's still a time factor like mm-hmm. we do want change now mm-hmm. we definitely want more diverse boards but we want diversity you know for the right reasons and not to tick a box and I know there's various industries out there that are doing a great job about trying to get you know help you know save for a woman you know help people get opportunities that then allow a path to the board which is fantastic that maybe didn't exist before Um, but purely kind of getting appointed to tick a box is is you know maybe that is a way to mix it up but I think it's going to still take some time and it's making sure that as you know, whatever it is, if it's gender, race, inclusion, you know, all of those elements need to have every opportunity, every opportunity to be the best they can be, every opportunity to go to different management levels, every opportunity to, you know, get to those positions because that's, you know, that has to be the path. And the flexible working, you know, um, say mothers returning back to work, you know, allowing that flexibility but still the opportunity to progress um, because that over time is, is important and it's you know I, I think that next generation you know they're 40% of the workforce five generations baby boomers are starting to retire you know it is really they're going to be that driving force and I think it is great you know I think yeah. it's really great and there's a huge opportunity for the retiring baby boomers for younger generation to maybe take some of these businesses out of their hands like and not just liquidate the company you know whatever family mm-hmm. Um, can take over the business and keep it alive because whether you're working with Lindy's or whether it's you know Mary and John construction who have six people working from you know they can still have a good living you know yeah. whatever if you're doing renovations yeah. on a house you can still make you know a few hundred thousand pounds a year and earn a good living yeah. but I just think there's an awful lot of opportunity on the SMB side as well mm-hmm. especially in construction not not the whole uh, global projects as well I'm I, I know a friend of mine in the states he um, shingles that just sort of yeah. shingles that, that's that's what he's doing he's 10 people working room he just started putting out a few bids he's a good business going he's doing gonna do about a million at the end of this year um, and he lo- he loves it you know mm-hmm. it's just non-sexy needs to be done you know and he just says you know, it's better than sitting in a tech office there just pretending to look busy, you know? Our clients as well, so it's getting important to the clients. Mm-hmm. So we're not, you know, working with local authorities. They're mm-hmm. saying, you know, how is this benefiting the local economy? So there's, mm-hmm. you know, targets around how you procure, how you spend your money locally mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, I think as you're saying with the small businesses, that's definitely going to grow and grow and grow and grow. But with the kind of attracting the next generation, I still think one of the key things is having someone who looks like them, yeah. who talks like them, yeah. who's got that job. You can go, yeah, yeah I recognise that person, that person could be me. Mm-hmm. Rather than having, you know, just the same people going to school saying the same stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why we work really hard on getting a really diverse selection of Lemley staff there to, because yeah. when we're working in, in, the, in the London boroughs, there's a lot of diversity there. Mm-hmm. And we, want to kind of reflect that in our workforce and say look yeah. you know people 
who might look like you, who's got the same background as you work here. Yeah. Why don't you work here? Exactly. And there's, there's a great opportunity, I think, to learn from the older generation before they do retire. You know, and, and I feel privileged because I feel like I sit right in the middle at the moment where I'm at my career and where the age of the, the next gen and the older generation. So I get to learn from both and I feel very privileged with that. And I think if we can somehow connect that where they're not the next generation isn't intimidated by that older generation and learn from that and also allow that you know older generation to leave that legacy to the to the next gen well, to I make think change that construction people want to mentor mm-hmm. like if you people I've seen it on site all loads of times people want to take someone under their wing yeah. and show them and if you've got that it could be a great kind of passing the torch you know you've yeah. got the kind of the new generation who's learning mm-hmm. from the older generation also saying hey have you thought about doing it this way yeah. And if we can get that conversation mm-hmm. started, kind of use their experience and their kind of fresh eyes to it. Yeah. Think of the kind of productivity. And the kind you of ask thing. a site manager, oh, how are you going to get that still being, you know, connected <laughs> to that existing facade? And you could be there for hours and like learning. I love it. I mm-hmm. love, I like to spend as much time as I can on site because, you know, there's so much to learn. And every, the thing is with construction, everything is different. Every building's different. Even new builds, you won't have a single product even you know the same on the same side so i think it's you know there's so much to learn there i think the leadership um side of it was you were you were saying danny just to have that ideal kind of role model to look Mm -hmm. at it doesn't have to be stephen bartlett of of construction but like i well i done uh, two summers in in chicago uh, and i was framing framing houses and my boss was like the nicest man Mm -hmm. he's like literally just went out of his way every morning he'd collect me um, 20 minutes my house was he'd go out of his way to go collect me and bring me back and do the same at night time and uh, threw me in at the deep end um, and just kind of got me going for the first couple of weeks and and uh, it was the, one of the best most enjoyable jobs I've ever had now I've like no intention of going back in and being a framer but I'm just saying it was I kind of look back at him and said you know he kind of a life change and figured you know got up at half five got on the tools for seven o'clock and uh and yeah, I just kind of look back with fondness, like, you know, he'd always de- deserve a mentioner for any time I was going to Chicago, like, you'd give him a shout, you know, he, even though he'd like only four, four other people with him and mm-hmm. he like he wasn't a millionaire or anything, like, but he kind of threw me in at the deep end, you know, and uh, just kind of like a teacher figure, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, um, yeah. you see it in construction all the time, you see, especially um, over in scaffolding as well. So mm-hmm. I was saying earlier, we did some work with a uh, scaffolding contractor at Elephant Park. Mm-hmm. They took on five trainees and you know, they took them under the wing. Kind of good days, bad days, scaffolding ups and downs. There's a scaffolding joke in there somewhere. <laughs> and uh, then a couple of them became Cut apprentices. Cut that joke. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of them became apprentices. Yeah. You, I think also, at whatever stage you are in your career in construction, you've always got a mentor you're learning from. You yeah. kind of, mm-hmm. I think, construction people are often quite humble and kind of say you don't know everything mm-hmm. so there's stuff that I learned from my manager and senior managers stuff that I didn't know I think we're quite good at saying I don't know that so but I want to learn it mm-hmm. it's learning doesn't stop you know once you get to this level I think everyone's always learning mm-hmm. and as you're saying how everything's always changing like we're going to have a massive shift towards prefabrication off-site yeah. what's that going to do to the industry how's our workforce going to look mm-hmm. how, how are we going to train people to retrofit buildings mm-hmm. what is the definition of a green job Mm-hmm. Yep. all this kind of stuff that is we have to learn there's no point in being an expert in yesterday's world is there yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. so we'll have to learn yeah exactly yeah um, like well, my advice even I come from an advertising and marketing background but 
people ask me coming into the industry I don't know enough about this I say I'll be honest nobody knows anything really things move so fast you're constantly trying to learn you're always going to be making mistakes you know um, and people are going to give out to you sometimes like but uh, I've sat in meetings like with you know, chief marketing officer, mm. chief people officer, or, or CEOs, and like some of them, like, like they don't know how to put a PowerPoint together, like, but they're, they're not PDFs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not yeah. PDFs. Um, put but, a calendar in yeah. <laughs> Honestly, there is people like that. Yeah. But, um, a more macro question um, How is the lack of talent um, affecting the industry at the moment, especially projects? I know there's lots of data going around, and 40% are delayed and bits and pieces, but what do you think? The lack of talent impact is having on projects at the moment. Do you want to go first then? Mm. So mine is more, I recruit site-based staff. Mm. So it is getting harder to find people all, all levels, you know. So when, in London, it's a very competitive market. So I'm saying to someone, you know, can you come and work on our site? It'd be great to have you on our site. Mm. And then someone down the road offers them 30p an hour more. Goodbye, good luck. Kind of even stuff. if the commute is longer, they yeah, still do yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I'm even with kind of more kind of high level jobs, I'm you know, currently recruiting for a trainee project manager for one of our supply chain members. I put that job out, I thought I'd be kind of bam, 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 you know. And I think I'm not too sure why. I'm not too sure. My, how, am I doing, putting that in the wrong places? You know, how am I not reaching the target audience? So mm -hmm. I just think that. From my experience of being in this job almost three years, mm. when I was putting jobs out, say three years ago, there was definitely a lot more interest. You kind of have 30 people applying for five jobs. Mm -hmm. And now I think with kind of COVID as well, it's people have kind of reset and people now expect this and expect this and expect this, which is fair enough. You know, people yeah. want flexible working and stuff. Mm -hmm. People want to be able to kind of, I want to work from home, I want to do this. Maybe construction as an industry is going to have to catch up with that. And we were having a discussion earlier about how, you know, COVID has shown that you can be as productive from home and also having kind of flexible working allows people to do a well-being activity during the day. Like if someone can go to the gym between 10 and 11, that's fine, isn't it? Yeah. It's better to have a healthy workforce. But mm -hmm. I think we need to kind of get the site-based the site -based stuff more difficult because you do need someone there eight till six on site. How do we make sure there's not kind of some glass ceiling where you know, white collar workers can work flexibly, but everyone else below, you have to be there all day. Well, how do we bridge that gap? And a lot of pressure in construction to get it finished on time. Mm. So it's kind of, again, it's, a it's <laughs> quite like a separation at the yeah. moment. I found that, um, and, and during COVID, we were allowed to, you know, working in construction, we were allowed to travel. And I did as much as I could to get on site as much as I could, because I did not want to be just sitting at home while, you know, the guys are there through the brutal winter, mm. particularly earlier last year, where it was a challenge for everyone, because I think that is hard, you know, and I think there is a separation there that we have to, you know, look out for and be very mindful of it. And, and the industry needs to be more accepting of that. But we do sit there then in our homes, go and get it done as quickly as possible, being a project manager, you know, I've said that often. Mm. Um, but how do we expect then, you know, the guys on site to have a completely different approach to work-life balance. I, d I just don't yeah. think that's fair. And I think we do as an industry have to embrace that. I think probably back to the original question, I think it's having a huge impact not getting talent in on projects. Um, and for me, it's the lack of real change because there's, you know, the, the new talent coming in, the next generation, the new ideas, the fresh approach, allowing that talent to have a voice at the table, I think will then 
allow change. And, you know, modern, modern methods of construction, the prefabrication of site, um, how we build, what products we use, what products we use temporary, you know, um, I'm on a project at the moment, I went on to site and all of the welfare is recycled. It's old, it doesn't look like A1, but it's come from another site or three sites before. Mm. And I love that because, you know, yes, the temporary fantastic. facilities are yeah. being reused and that, I think that's important. But I think, I think we're go I don't think it's just this year that we're going to have seen impact. I think, you know, we've got to really make a change to get that new talent in to, to benefit right. it for a future. And new jobs, like, I'm... And again, COVID has shown supply chains, how kind of we are at the mercy of supply chains. So I think there's going to be a lot of kind of nearshoring supply chains. And by taking the manufacturing away from kind of traditional manufacturing hubs, taking it closer, it could be back in the UK, you know, we're going to have to get people to do these highly skilled manufacturing jobs and where we get those people from. So with kind of the rise of prefabrication and supply chains changing, as an industry, we're really going to have to look at our skills offer. Mm -hmm. you know, what courses are we doing? That might mean engaging with higher education yeah. by saying that we need to fill these jobs. How can we collaborate? You guys put the courses on, mm -hmm. we employ them. I think that those initiatives will definitely be important moving forward in the next few years. I mean, we are seeing the rise in you know sustainable um, degrees, yeah. you know, short courses, which is fantastic. But I think it can go way further. You know, we're only just scratching the surface of what should be offered. You know even from school level you know what are the skills that they're teaching at school that ties into construction you know i'm sure there's a huge amount of work that can be done there definitely um i wasn't conscious of time do anyone have any final sign offs before we close it anything like shout out um get in contact with you for anything no, Danny, is there anything you... This is going to be going out to a good few thousand people. <laughs> so, so, so if you have anything to say, just we'll give you a bit of a shout-out. Uh, Same with you, Carol, have it. Think about those vital words you're going to say. The problem is that my Section 106 is to do with Southwark hmm. and Lewisham. So I don't want to make promises about everyone sending me a CV and they're from like Harrow and stuff. So uh, I don't know. Just I'm pretty fortunate to be working in the industry at the moment. I think it's... Uh, a really exciting time to be working in the social value and the learning skills and employment sector. Um, again, I'm fortunate enough to work for a company that really supports it and it is ingrained in what we do and also on some fantastic projects. But I think as an industry, it's really exciting and challenging how we're going to engage with the next generation, what offer we can put on and how are we going to prove to them that construction is a great career for them and also kind of prove to them that we are do care about the environment, we do care about social value and we want them to be an industry they're proud to support and proud to tell their mates they work in construction. Brilliant. Cara, anything? There's no, there's, no, there's no pressure if you don't. I just think any ideas, you yeah. know, I think we should be encouraging the next generation instead of us kind of trying to work out what they need or want, you know, yeah. I think we should be asking them and any ideas about how, you know, they can bring their talent and uh, to the table. Yeah, bring a set of new batteries to the table. Yeah, yeah, or, or, I mean, yeah. what is the? We answer? have a lot of tired people in this industry. <laughs> you know. Anyways, uh, thanks for coming in. Sure. And yeah, thanks, Thank Jack. You. Been been a pleasure. Give a shout out to Jack. Thanks, Cheers, Jack. Jack. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah.